Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. We have one of our very good friends, Heather Ransom, with us today. You guys, so Heather, similar to myself, KJ, and Taylor, graduated in the same class. So we've known each other for what feels like a million years now. And because we are really million-year-old therapists, that's why we are so wise. So please, yeah, listen to our wisdom. We know what's going on, but we are so excited to have her here. She's one of our best friends from grad school. Like you guys are just going to love her. And she, we've talked a lot about how maybe I was less responsible. Heather falls on the more responsible side of the spectrum. (laughs) She is like the best therapist. Everyone in our group of friends is like, oh, I have a staffing question. It goes straight to Heather. 100% of the time. She's a genius. You guys are going to love her information. She's like up on the research, up on current trends, and she is so wonderful. So Heather is certified in several things, EMDR being one of them, which we have talked about. And if you haven't, if you're not familiar with that, those letters, we have an earlier episode. So just go on back and listen to that. Which is great. I refer people all the time. See? Thank you. From the words of Heather, yeah. you guys, go listen to it and then go do it. She's also a registered play therapist. So that basically means that she is allowed to bring play into any of her therapy sessions and she will do it correctly, not incorrectly, which we love. And she served on the board for like a million years. How long were you on the board? Of- I was on the board as a board member for five years. And so I just so stepped down. So okay. excited so, for all the time in my life. You're like, give it back to me. Yes. I did my time and now I can relax, which is so fun. But she mostly specializes in everything, really, right? So, you know, we're talking depression, anxiety, parenting, kids, adolescents, adults. She does it all because she has a thriving private practice. When you are a thriving therapist, guess who comes to see you? Basically everyone. So <laughs> she is killing it. But we today are going to focus in on adolescents, teenagers who are struggling with the anxiety, with the depression, with all of those kinds of things. We're going to get all of her wealth of knowledge and then give it right back to you for all of those struggling teens in your life because teens are struggling now and I, my heart goes out to them. I want to make it better. I wish I could be like, oh, it's social media. Oh, it's your diet. Oh, it's bullying online oh you know it would be nice if we could just like find the problem and fix it but I don't think we know it yet and so we have to come at it a very different way yeah I don't know if we'll ever know it you know yeah and the thing is I think parents of teens are struggling too you know we feel that so deeply when our kids Mm -hmm. hurt we hurt yes which is good parenting but also you know it until we become codependent so 
shout out you can also listen to our codependent episode <laughs> if you think that's you <laughs> but truly you're always going to feel pain when your child is feeling pain and so there's a lot of pressure on parents to make it better but then there's also a lot of pressure on kids to seem like they're fine when they're really not and then there's also a weird pressure of like feeling worse than they actually do it's kind of like a peer pressure thing like everyone is depressed yeah. so if you're not feeling depressed you need to pretend you're depressed I had some clients with that like it's a it's a hard time it's to be messy a team. It, yeah. it's messy yeah so yeah um I was actually really excited that you asked about this just because this is probably a question that comes up so much from people just reaching out to me um giving presentations and obviously within the own uh people that show up to my office and this mm-hmm. is common this is so common mm-hmm. and it's just becoming worse uh especially with COVID, I think that really exasperated stuff. Yeah. And I don't even think we're seeing the full effects of it, honestly. I think 10 years from now, we will just continue to see what the full effects of that was on that developing age group who are then yes. going to be adults. Yeah. Who had to mm-hmm. be homeschooled and miss their graduation. Like it's a, it's yeah. a whole thing for them. And yeah. like moving to completely virtual friendships and not yep. even having in-person connections and stuff like it it was a rough time you know yeah definitely Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so so let's uh dive in with well first I asked a bunch of people um what would be helpful to talk about in regards to teens and mental health so the -hmm. questions we're going to ask Heather today came from you guys so viewers like you yes so the first question what are some signs that a teen may be experiencing anxiety and depression how do we know that what we're seeing teens present with is in fact some mental health struggles Yeah. yeah this is a really I think missed thing sometimes with parents you know we expect to see your classic symptoms of anxiety or those classic symptoms of just like a really sad teenager right but for me, what I've noticed is the biggest uh, symptom is anger and irritability. And I think that's often missed because then parents are veering lanes and they're saying, oh my goodness, I have an oppositionally defiant child or like they're in with the wrong group of people. They're, you know, maybe it's um, just those teen hormones, things like that. But really when you get to it, sometimes that is actually a main symptom of depression that they're experiencing or anxiety that is tough that is so tough it is because I think oh it's one of those things where you could like see an outburst and then kind of be Mm -hmm. like oh I'll make some adjustments it'll get better and then maybe you don't Mm -hmm. see it for a little bit and then it comes back and so it can be easily missed yeah yeah it could definitely be blamed on like mood swings or Mm -hmm. anything like that and when the anger comes out you want to parent the anger away instead of digging deeper and seeing what's below the anger so it's it's a lot of like well you don't get to speak to me like that instead of like well why are you speaking to me like that like yeah let's dig in you know and I think with teens it is so important to always be asking like what's underneath that yeah because there's usually a second layer there is. And I think sometimes it, it can be hard to stick with it, you know, as parents and try to not be reactive and really cue into our own regulation during those moments, because 
the knee-jerk reaction is to, you know, what's the consequence of acting like that? And, you know, but really when you start looking at the bigger picture, it's not just anger and irritability. Those are probably sometimes the loudest symptoms that Mm -hmm. kind of distract us onto other things, but it's still going to be some other things going as well. Um, You know, just depressed mood. If we're looking at depression, sadness, you're going to look at changes in appetite, sleep. Um, And I think it's important to note, like adults sometimes, not all adults, but for the most part, some of us are familiar with those classic symptoms and either anxiety or depression, but for teenagers and children to meet those same diagnoses, they don't have to have nearly as many of the criteria. So they can mm-hmm. honestly just have one or two, you know, things and almost be meeting the criteria depending on which diagnosis we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's a good point that it is a different way of looking at it when you are addressing and treating yeah. children. And it's Definitely. good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, as I said, the anger and irritability is a big one, um, especially, you know, I think this actually goes for both depression, anxiety, the psychosomatic symptoms, you know, sometimes kids are going right. to start having, uh, I've seen this in a lot of different ways, just complaining of stomach, not feeling well. Sometimes they actually do have real digestive problems that are manifesting. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're throwing up, things like that. Um, so that's a big one that I see a lot, probably more so with anxiety. Um, yeah. but of course, as with anything like rule out all the medical stuff first to make sure nothing else is going on. Yeah. I feel like if you have an inkling that it is like anxiety and stuff, then you just immediately concurrently address that, right? Like I am taking you to the doctor to see what's going on and I'm getting you into therapy to start to address any stressors that's that are coming up, you know, like let's just get you all the help, you know? (laughs) If I was a parent, that's what I would be doing. I'd be like, let's just make sure, you know, let's just check it out. Yeah. Cause if, you know, even right now, if we just did like a mini exercise of like, let's think for one minute about something that really worries us or stresses us out, that's coming up, we would probably start having some sensations in our body. Right. So just imagine a teen who is experiencing this more often than not having that Mm -hmm. rumination, like their body is going to feel like crap. And I don't know about you guys, but when I feel like crap, I am not performing well. I am not able to show up for people well. I'm not able to show up for myself well. And so Mm -hmm. these things really do intertwine with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And you can start seeing like isolating themselves from you or even friends. um, Friends. Oh, yeah. Staying away. Yeah. It can go downhill. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said, Heather, like that could be maybe a first indicator for parents of like just seeing those explosive moods and kind of going from there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, whenever this kind of comes up with parents, it's interesting on one of my intakes, I usually do ask like, have there been any major changes lately? And sometimes we'll even just do check-ins asking if there's been any major changes And I can't tell you the number of times that people have had significant changes in relationships, moves, just family stressors, school stressors Mm -hmm. that once parents sat down and like actually put it on paper, they're like, oh, 
oh, wow, Whoa. they are dealing with a lot. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think we also, as parents, sometimes get on autopilot that we're just not connecting the dots mm-hmm. either. Um, yeah. So yeah. we need to slow down. Yeah. And I think as parents, we just hope that our kids will be fine and we hope Mm -hmm. it so much that we only look for signs that they are fine I see this a lot in friends who like their child like they're transitioning from one to two children yeah and I'm like well how is your first child doing you know and they're like oh well he you know this is good and this is good and I'm like Mm -hmm. it seems like you want to make it good but I I'm gonna guess it's not good and it's the same thing like well they have made a lot of new friends and it's like yes that is wonderful but moving is a huge life event. Mm-hmm. And so are you taking it seriously? You know, whereas yeah. it's like, well, you know, back in my day, I moved 15 times and it's like, yeah. And it probably was stressful every time. Mm-hmm. And there just was a different way of dealing with things when we were younger that it just doesn't seem to be the same anymore. And so it's more mm-hmm. worth looking into and being like, let me maybe just assume the worst for a minute and see what I would do about that not that the worst is happening but like what would I be seeing am I seeing any of those things in my kid you know like okay well if it was a really difficult move they probably would be isolating in their room a lot more Mm -hmm. are they doing that you know just like kind of checking through the behavior instead of just being like well they've made two friends so we're good you know I don't have to worry about that you know I think it can be hard sometimes for parents. The teen years is really a unique time because (laughs) you've got like this person who's, you know, emerging into their own self. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've got all these hormones going on. Like you don't know what each day is going to bring. Okay. So you've got all this going on and you've got maybe a, a teen who is struggling in certain aspects of their life. And then us as parents, we want the best for our kids. And The problem is, though, in two different ways. You know, we can do like what you were just saying. And then the other thing is maybe we're just going to become kind of clashing with our teen because we see them, whether, you know, this isn't a great thing, but we do, I think, to some extent, see our kids as an extension to ourselves. And so when we see them reacting or having a hard time or even maybe having these like anger and irritability, right? it's a bad reflection on us. It's a bad reflection on our parenting, you know, mm-hmm. all these things. So then we're going to become defensive and maybe not actually be approaching our child with curiosity, with empathy, and just trying to figure out what's going on in their world because our defenses are up and then we're dysregulated mm-hmm. and missing huge red flags. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a super good yeah, point. Totally. It is hard to watch your kid. Yeah be the worst parts of you or the parts that you struggle with the most and you know it's painful because you're like that was painful for me it's painful for Mm -hmm. me to watch you you and we want to protect them and it's different I think that extension feels different when they're little versus when they're teens you know because really during that teen year they are starting to become their own person with maybe (laughs) different values or or whatever it might be you know Yeah. Someone today told me she was like, wow, she was looking at me with my three tiny children, you know, she was like, wow, you're really in the thick of it. She was like, this stage of parenting is physically so taxing. Mm -hmm. She was like, the stage of parenting I'm in with teenagers is emotionally so taxing. She's like, it's no longer physically difficult, but it is emotionally so much more difficult than like the young 
Mm-hmm. Like, let me just chase you around. I just want to sleep. I just want to, you know, whatever. Like, please stop screaming at me. But yeah, emotionally, it gets more and more complex. And it it's, does. it is for them too. They are more and more emotionally complex and they also don't really know how to deal with it. You know, they don't because, and can you, can you imagine? Okay. So my daughter, my oldest daughter is almost nine and every once in a while, her birthday's actually coming up. She'll be turning nine in just a few weeks here. And so I'm sure I'll have this realization again on her birthday, but you know, you always have these like, oh my gosh, she only has like nine years till she's out of the Mm -hmm. house. And so parents also have this, like, once you like hit a certain age, it's almost like this, then a ticking time bomb of I've got to give them everything before Mm -hmm. they emerge because I'm trying to have them be a successful adult, you know, successful person. And at the same time, we're managing and trying to balance all this other muck sometimes that comes up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Life is messy. Growing up and development is messy. Relationships are messy. And so it's, it's just trying to figure that out while trying to keep our cool with that time frame that just gets smaller and smaller but honestly Mm -hmm. you know I think if we show up for our kids and just trust them they're going to be the best version of themselves and we'll be that support for them yeah Mm -hmm. so going jumping off that like how do we support kids who are struggling with their mental health like Jessica said a couple of ways you know going to the doctor and therapy but yeah like what just what are all the things you would suggest to parents? And this is like the big question, right? Parents are like, now what do I do? Yeah, what do I do? Yeah. I want to know what to do. How do I <laughs> okay, yes. so let's get to the meat of this. Um, yeah. So I'm sure you guys have probably mentioned this in some podcasts before, but especially with things like anxiety and depression, you know, research shows medication management and therapy together is like that sweet spot, okay? Mm-hmm. And the idea of that is, and this is not a, a generalization for everyone. I mean, sometimes these things are more hormonal and chemical that we do need that constant medication management. But for other mm-hmm. things like situational stressors that might be causing depression or anxiety, the whole point and hope is medication is going to help us get to the part of therapy that we can then use the skills that we're learning in therapy, mm-hmm. wean off the medication, and then bam, we have these skills that we're able to utilize. Right. So, um, in terms of how they can help, there's lots of different things. So I think that what we just talked about medication and therapy is like the big picture stuff, mm-hmm. but then we've got like little picture stuff too, that we're, we're going to do more on the day-to-day basis. And it definitely feeds in with the big picture stuff. So the little picture things are obviously we need to be emotionally regulated ourselves as parents. Check. Yeah. Because when our kids, really when anyone is in this state, whether they're an adult or kid, but you know, for our kids, we're responsible over, over them. Um, when our kids are depressed or anxious, they are not in their window of tolerance, mm-hmm. honestly. And their baseline level is probably really high, which means their window of tolerance is super small. So we've got to be emotionally regulated to just handle whatever that storm is going to bring. Maybe it's fine, not a big deal, but we're definitely going to have some like difficult moments, right? Yeah. And if we're reactive, that's not going to be helpful. So we need to be emotionally regulated. And by doing that, we're also modeling emotional regulation for our kids, um, Mm -hmm. which is huge. I always tell parents, I'm like, 
you know, you might have missed being a supermodel, but like now you get to be a supermodel by modeling parenting and yes. emotional regulation. Be a supermodel for your kids. Um, yeah. like so truly, if you want your kid to not yell at you, yeah, don't yell at your kid, you know, totally. And you know, the better you do at it, the idea is that the better your team will do too. Yeah. Hope, and es- you know? Especially in those teen years, we can like use modeling in so many different ways. We can model when we're frustrated and verbally say like, I'm really frustrated. I just need to, I'm, I'm going to go take a time out of my room. I've done that mm-hmm. so many times. Um, yeah. it could be like, man, I'm really in a weird slump right now. I'm going to go on a walk. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's even modeling. Like you're modeling a behavior. So you can help with that. I think kids often get behind in school in these areas, or I mean, sometimes the anxiety yeah. are not getting behind in school, but they're having really unhealthy relationships with like perfectionism in school. Yeah. The way so, they're doing it is not great. Yeah. Yeah. So like, depending on where you are on the spectrum, <laughs> I think it's important for parents to just keep like a pulse a little bit on that school scenario Mm -hmm. because if kids are depressed and they're not turning stuff in and you're not aware of it it's going to be really bad at the end of the year and then that's going to fuel that depression those feelings of like low self-esteem failure even more um Mm -hmm. and with that as we start looking at support systems obviously like be in communication also with teachers school counselors, things like that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, going back to some of the symptoms, which we say like sleep, eating is a symptom of these. Mm -hmm. So making sure are kids getting regular sleep? Are they, what is the quantity of sleep? Are they going to bed kind of around the same time every night? Um, Mm -hmm. We're looking for those kind of things. Um, I tell all my clients that sleep is usually usually when we're lacking sleep, that is a trigger for almost all mental health issues I can think of. Makes it all worse. So start with sleep and Mm -hmm. sleep is probably an area that most teens are super deprived in or they're excessive in. So with that too, you know, as we talk about isolating, sometimes teens will, they need their break and that's fine. So whether they're just going to their room or they are sleeping to take the break, you've also got to keep, you know, that curiosity, that awareness of what's actually going on in your home. Mm-hmm. Be aware of how much of that is happening as well. Because um, if they're sleeping all day, that's not going to be helping the situation. And right. if they're isolating in their room all day, that's not going to be helping. So you as a parent are the one that's going to be encouraging them to, hey, come out and join the family. Maybe friends is too big of a step right now but at least join your family. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. So it's really a fine, it's really a fine balance depending on where your kid is, is basically on the spectrum of things, you know, mm-hmm. of symptoms, severity and stuff like that. And um, that's where, like, I just want to make a point. If you're like, my kid is doing all of this stuff and I have no idea what it means. That's when it's great to just go in and have a consultation with a yeah. therapist or with their doctor and say like my kid is sleeping this much I don't know if this is normal or if I should be concerned it's nice to get like an outside perspective you know if you're like I don't know if it's normal or not then ask for help you know yeah well and when you go and ask for help too like you're building that support system and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just helping you connect all the dots you know professionals are going to ask questions 
that maybe you wouldn't have thought of other things in combination with, you know, just like one or two symptoms you might be yeah. majorly seeing. Um, so that, that can be really helpful for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, have a relationship with your kids. I know sure. mind blowing, yeah. right? But honestly, if you don't have a relationship with your kids, with your teens, you're not going to know the ins and outs. You're not going to even see these like micro changes in them that over time become kind of macro changes in them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important. And I think when you build that relationship, you basically have more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like more, more of a place to come out and ask direct questions. You know, you have like questions of, are you self-harming if you're curious, you know, or is there any suicidal ideation? Like you can Mm -hmm. ask those questions and I think it feels like more of a safe place and you'll probably actually get more of like an authentic answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I tell parents are scared to ask those questions. Do not be scared to ask those questions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like we want to ask those questions. You don't want to know the answer, but the alternative is not knowing the answer, which is far worse, you know? And definitely like kind of frame it. You will, you will not get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I know, just want to know a safety thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to yeah. help. Yeah. So, you know, building that relationship with your kids and for teens that real and for little kids, it looks like being interested in the things they're interested in, not just the things they do that you think are interesting. Okay. There's mm-hmm. a really yeah. big difference there. Um, you know, watch the shows that they like with them. You don't have to watch all of it. Just watch an episode here or there. Just mm-hmm. learn the names enough to have these conversations, you know, of whatever mm-hmm. thing they're into. Learn a TikTok dance. I don't know. Um, yep. So doing that is going to be helpful because then you're also going to know the ins and outs too of their, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of like Gottman love mapping in relationships, but it's like right. love mapping basically with your kids. Like, you know, the ins and outs of their day, you know, their friends, you can kind of put two and two together without them always having to say everything mm-hmm. um, out loud. Um, I'd say also being helpful is just look for patterns. In graduate school, we had a teacher that was always like, if you notice, what did he say? Like, if you notice it once. time. And then twice, take it away, Bod. <laughs> I don't even remember exactly what he said, but it was the idea yeah. was like the first time you note it, the second time you're like, huh, and then the third time you're like, okay, this is a pattern. It's time to yeah. address it, you know? Yeah. So notice that with your kids, especially in things that you, you know, that we've talked about that could be red flags mm-hmm. um, for, you know, for some of these things that might be going on. Just because I do, every once in a while, like people will come to me and, I think therapy can also be helpful because it normalizes stuff a little bit as well. Like, Hey, you know, actually like that's actually normal adolescent behavior and stuff right. like that. Um, there is a lot there is. of concerning behaviors that are completely normal. 100%. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Um, and so that's why the pattern piece is important. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. um, and then educate yourself as a parent that is so great as when parents educate themselves on things like anxiety or depression. And Hey, if people are listening to this right now. Like they're already trying to educate themselves. Yes. Um, because I think that it just increases empathy towards your kid. 
especially if you're a parent that has not experienced anxiety or depression yourself, sometimes that can be a really difficult and foreign thing for people who haven't experienced it to comprehend. Um, I, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I'm sure many people have heard or heard stories of people who are like, just get over it or just, you know, like, yeah, just, just make dinner. It's not a big deal. Or, you know, just go out with your friends. Like, but these are really big things and parts of lives that are being impaired because of anxiety and depression. Um, so when we educate ourselves, we're able to really, yeah, just have more empathy and just have more insight too, as things might progress mm-hmm. and symptoms might progress. So yeah, that's what I'd have to say there. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, what would you do and what do you recommend for the teens that you see? Like, how do you help them build resilience so that they aren't so like, yeah. I did move, but it is something I can handle because I have a resilient spirit, you know, like, how do you build that? Yeah, I think it's different for everyone, for sure. But just, you know, this means just like shooting the breeze, saying some things. Uh, right? That's what this podcast is. <laughs> so, Truly. Okay. So we have our best ideas, you know? That is true. That's yeah. true. So I think to help teens build, that is, you're going to encourage them to have relationships with people. You know, this is very just difficult. Start one, honestly. It is. Yeah, but it is. And just start like one at a time. And I tell teens too, like relationships, especially these days can look so different. Like you first, you're going to be looking at the different circles. Okay. Do we have friends from like church, school, our neighborhood, sports teams, teams. um, clubs, you know, whatever it might be. Like you don't have to have friends in all of those for right now. Like just pick one area of focus. And then it's also like, this it doesn't have to be like best friends forever. Okay. You're not, we're not like yeah. signing yearbooks here. Have a great summer or stuff like that. Like yeah. we're just trying to have some type of basic relationship and it can look like, Hey, maybe we just text. Maybe we just send each other funny memes. Maybe we do mm-hmm. actually hang out like one time on a weekend. Maybe we go out and do something. Um, And the thing is, I've supported lots of teens in therapy through those processes of doing that. And so it can be a lot of work for them. Yeah, Yeah. it can. And it's okay to have help with that. Mm -hmm. This is nothing that we should expect people to do on their own. And sometimes as parents, we have to facilitate that for our kids. Like, Mm -hmm. what if our kid doesn't drive? What if they don't have access to going to things? What if we're like not actually allowing our kid to really have any of these? circles outside of school you know yeah because we're limiting it for them because we're tired and we don't really yeah. want to drive them to xyz's house you know yeah. but that would be exactly what they need and so sometimes mm-hmm. that is part of like the parent sacrifice is like okay it is you know turn on your podcast on the way and then you know <laughs> listen to thoughts on thoughts yeah exactly um, another thing i think is having And this goes to, with my next one is I was going to say service. Sometimes I tell people to do service. So service and also having relationships is it really sometimes normalizes our life experiences. It allows us to see other people's life experiences and we're like, oh my gosh, they can do hard things or they persevere through this. And then sometimes we start to reflect that upon our own experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So really just thinking outside of ourselves. 
I think helping teens loosen up when they do have rigidity. Mm, yeah. You know, like you're not going to get it right every time. It's not going to be awesome every time. And that's okay. It still can be something we consider that was impactful or successful, even mm-hmm. if it was disappointing, you know? I have a visual um, for this. Yeah. I've probably, I've probably said it on here before. But it's like in one hand you have a basketball and in the other hand you have a vase and you drop them. What happens? The vase shatters and the basketball Mm -hmm. bounces back. Mm. But if you talk to a teen about that, give them this example, it's not that the basketball never fell. It was still failed, still fell, Mm -hmm. but it came back didn't necessarily come good. back to the same spot. Maybe there it came right. like a little lower. Yeah. There's a bit of a struggle there. But it's like teaching these kids that you can fail, you can have bumps in the road, but you don't mm-hmm. have to go to that all or nothing place of like, I'm a failure. I'm, I can't do this. Like those rigid yeah. thoughts you're talking about. Which just perpetuates anxiety and depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which I think, KG, that really shows – this next piece of it's important to talk about your own disappointments, right? Mm. It's okay for our teens to talk about it, for us to ask about it and like process through that with them. As therapists, we do that in the therapeutic setting, but guess what parents, you have 100% permission to do that at home because you are building a relationship with your kids. Um, And guess what? That also says you need to talk about your own disappointments and failures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and let them see that things do affect you and that you can also be resilient and rally and figure things out. Be sad and then go back to being happy again. You know, like Mm -hmm. have a fluctuating range of emotions. It's beautiful. Show them that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, this is something as a parent we can do to help teens and also something I talk about with teens and helping them create themselves but having the home be a place of refuge. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if they are really depressed or anxious and they're going out in the world all the time, they're going to school, they're coming home exhausted from having to socialize or avoid, or, you know, however they're handling life right now, um, home should be a safe place for them. And so you as a parent need to make sure it's a safe place, make, and really even like physically make sure it's a comfortable place for them, that there is a place for them to go and have their privacy, that there is a place for them to just have their own space. And then with a teen, it's like, what do you need? Like, what do we need to do to make this place comfortable for you? Whether it's in your room, what kinds of things are you going to do? Do you have access to that? How often do you do that? Things like that. Mm -hmm. Unplugging. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard even as adults. Some, you know, it's hard for everyone, guys. It's hard, yeah. yeah. It is. Um, but just having less of that noise can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, take the TVs yeah. out of your teen's room. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And take their and phones. Take their phones out, out of their, their rooms. Phones. If you're, if, they will not sleep. Yeah, that was they what I was going to say. Maybe the number one step to helping them get better sleep is, okay, check in your phone at night. Not that you're going to go through mm-hmm. it or whatever. Just right. leave it plugged yeah. in in the bathroom or somewhere yes. where they're not going to be like on it all night and just see if sleep improves just from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, truly. First thing to start with. Yes. 
And, you know, sometimes I've had parents that then find the kids sneaking out, right, to get the technology. And then that's a whole nother conversation to have with your kids. Yes. That's fine. Don't get defensive. Talk about it. That's information. It's information. Yes. Information. It's information. It's like, wow, okay, I can see that you really needed that. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't realize that this was that big of a problem. Okay, cool. I am learning and I am going to help you address this, you know? very helpful instead of the oh my gosh my teen is a disaster look what they did i can't believe it you know it's just this is information how do i help them their problems are bigger than i thought you know okay cool now what do i do and i think you know that's something even like not that we're like super old or anything but even like our generation doesn't speak for yourself i am very old (laughs) Does, you said that at the beginning, I suppose. You said we were like old yeah, dinosaurs yeah, or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, that's even something like we don't comprehend because technology was still changing so much. And like yeah. iPhones really were not a thing yeah. still not like when we were college. teens, you know, yeah. like, yeah. and so like having that constant availability and just access to everything and that constant having your brain stimulated is something we don't understand we know that is a developing brain too like it's a whole different rodeo so just come with understanding seek the information but also the great thing about teens is you can like have conversations with them you can try to educate them especially if they are dealing with things like anxiety and depression educate them about like how this is affecting their sleep, why sleep is really important. You can even say, sometimes with my clients, I'll be like, we're just going to experiment. Like, see if you can get three days in a row of like this kind of sleep, track how much sleep you got and just tell me, like, Mm -hmm. do you feel better? Do you feel worse? If you feel worse, like come and tell me all about it because I'm sure you're going to love telling me how I was wrong, which is fine. I can be wrong, but it's just like an experiment, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Okay. What if you have a teen who doesn't want help, pushes you away? Yeah. Like, so if you have the classic teen, is yeah. what you're talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> like a teenager. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. A teenager now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. There we go. Okay. You, at the end of the day, you are the parent. All right. And I'm not like saying this in like, a, oh, I'm the parent type of way, but you are the parent. And if you are noticing symptoms, or red flags that are safety concerns, or you're noticing like, oh my goodness, I'm kind of a little nervous to see where this is going to be in a couple weeks or months. Mm-hmm. Get them to therapy. <laughs> it's okay. Guess what, you guys? Therapists should, you know, if you have a good therapist, they are coming to work with their big girl panties on every day, okay? <laughs> and so they can deal with the angst Therapy is a great place to be angry, to like shut down, to avoid. We can handle it. Like we can yeah. outsit you in your silence. I promise. Okay. Oh man. I've had sessions like that, you know? Yeah. And it's okay. Like, you know, talking about kids being an extension of us. I think sometimes parents, I've had so many parents come and be like, they really don't want to be here. I don't know if this is going to be like super productive, but, and I'm like, Hey, it's okay. Like, let's give it a couple, like, weeks or you know up to three months and just kind of see if I can even like break through the icy exterior Mm -hmm. and usually you know I would say like nine times out of ten it's fine like I break through and then once their feet get wet they're okay and guess what they're usually like 
I like having a place that I can just come and talk about whatever I want because therapists usually know how to tie that back to the diagnosis and actually talk about therapeutic stuff, teach skills, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, you know, we went to school for this. Um, So don't worry about it. Like parents just like bring them, see how it goes. We might as well try it. Right. We have nothing to lose. Um, Talk to your doctor if you're really worried too. Like, you know, that med management, like we said, sometimes can help just if it's really bad, just kind of kickstart that. Um, so you get to set the boundary as the parent, you get to say that at the end of the day, like what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's your role. Right. And, and having that open communication with the therapist, like you can let them know, like, I am really worried. This is what's happening. They really don't want to be here. And it's all information for us. We like whatever information and then we'll just do with it what we will. Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks to remembering what your role as the parent is and remembering that the child has a role and responsibility in their life as well. And so if your child is going to be stuck and wants to be stuck and is deliberately trying to be stuck, you know, that's where you give them the resources, you give them every Mm -hmm. opportunity that they need to change. And you really listen to your intuition about what that's going to be. But at some time, at some point, that teen, it is their life and they do also have to take responsibility, you know? And so your job, your role is to be supportive, to offer opportunities and then to like, let them do their thing and to just have like faith and trust and watch the process and just always be there being like, I believe in you. We can figure this out, you know, instead of getting down on them or you know, expecting too much from them and blah, 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 blah. And therapy looks really different for teens. Like some teens really do come and they're like, let's just do talk therapy. Okay. That's typically mm-hmm. what we do with adults. Right. Um, but especially for those icy teens, like we have strategies, like we'll utilize art and coloring because guess what? They don't have to look at us in the eyes when we do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's more comfortable to talk. Sometimes we'll do card games. Like, and can you just think about the therapy room is so sacred, you guys. I, I, I feel this about with adults, teens, the play playrooms when I'm with kids, it is so sacred because it's like, this is the one place a person can show up and it's their session. They're the boss. Okay. They've got mm-hmm. the control. They can do whatever they want as long as it's not hurting anyone or hurting anything if they just want to be there and be quiet and not be nagged, it's respected, you know? Mm -hmm. And can you imagine being a teenager and being like, wow, this is kind of weird. Like I'm sitting here with an adult and they are not on my case. Like my mom and dad are always on my case. Mm -hmm. It's kind, it's kind of a little bit nurturing and healing at the same time for them. And honestly, that is too sometimes how they break through and start talking a little bit. KJ, I'm sure you saw this a lot when you worked with teens. So much. Yes. What you're (laughs) saying is ringing true. Yeah. It takes time to build that relationship. I think as a parent, like when you're scared for your teen, you want to see immediate results. Yes. You want to put them in therapy and you're like, okay, I want to see this better in a few weeks. But like trust your teen and trust the therapist to build on a relationship. If you're six months down the road, and you're concerned still, like, have a conversation with them, right? 
or I mean, you mm-hmm. can check in more than that, but you know what I mean? Like, please, don't. please check in more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but then, yeah, but that would but, yeah. be like, I'm going to reassess. Maybe we're yeah. switching therapists. We need a new therapist, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. But like, give yep. it time and let that rapport build and your teen open up to someone new and foreign. Like, I love what Heather's saying about it being a sacred place. I so agree. It's a very interesting kind of relationship, but it's a very, very yeah. beautiful one when it works clicks mm-hmm. yeah and I think when you have a teen going into a new therapist something that's very important is that they not be afraid to switch therapists if it's not the right person yeah and so what I tell people is when you go in do you feel like even though you don't want to tell them all your secrets today you feel like you could tell them mm. all your secrets when you're ready Like, that's the kind of person that you want. Like, you don't need to have all this trust immediately of like, let me spill my guts. But are they friendly? Do you like opening up to them? Do you feel like you could in the future say the things that you need to say, you know? Mm -hmm. And if they're like, nope, that was not the person. Because I'm telling you, I had a couple of teens where like I met them and I was immediately like, they are not going to jive with me. And that's just fine. Like go find yeah. someone else so that you can heal and that life is better. You know, yes. don't be afraid to tell the therapist that don't mm-hmm. be afraid to, that's a good parent role is advocating for your teen and being like, actually, this is not the right therapist for them. I'm going to switch, you know, Yeah. and not allowing them to also therapist hop. Cause that, you know, so that's where it's your role as a parent to like, look at this mm-hmm. and be like okay are they just trying to therapist shop and get someone to say what they want them to say you know or are yeah. they genuinely that's that manipulation t- piece that sometimes yeah. does come up in teens as well I mean mm-hmm. which really I you know I don't love the word manipulation even with teens and kids parents use it sometimes pretty threateningly and like ugh, I don't know it yeah. just does not settle well with me but really like at the end of the day it's like they have a need and they're trying to get it met just like yeah. any other human would okay mm-hmm. so yeah, that, that is the piece with like therapist shopping. Just also be aware of that because you're not mm-hmm. going to get anywhere if you're constantly switching as well. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, therapy is about the client. So in this case, the teen or the kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my clients, because sometimes, you know, clients can get pretty attached in a great way. Like I, you know, it's, it's very, as KJ was saying, like unique relationship. But at the end of the day, this is their work and the therapist is replaceable. Like we are always replaceable. And that is the point of our job. Like we're like replaceable by other people, but we're also replaceable by you, like the client, you know, and that's the goal to put us out of a job and for you to just heal in whatever ways you need to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Heather, you've given us so many gems of thought like so many gold nuggets i am going to Mm -hmm. actually use several of these things with my three major oh yeah but no one warned me about age three everyone talked about terrible twos it said it i know it's just because it sounds good you know like terrible twos it sounds so good but you can't (laughs) say terrible threes you know but truly that three-year-old independence comes out strong. Yes, but which they're having similar hormonal changes in their bodies Ah, that these teenagers do. Just putting that in perspective in terms of influxes. Yeah. Fascinating. The things we learn from Heather. 
thank you so yeah. much for coming and if you listen to this and you have follow-up questions shoot them our way um we're here to be a resource and we're so grateful for heather coming and being an additional resource giving mm-hmm. us all the info thanks heather thanks for Thanks for having me. And parents, thank you so much for taking this first step to learn about this so you can help your kids. Yeah. Good on you guys. Right. See ya. Bye. Bye guys. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process. So please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com. And if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Bryich from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.